I am going to share today about speaking truthfully. I'm going to share today about the power of words. And while we're on that subject, we can go ahead and... Will you put the mission statement up? I didn't warn you that that was going to happen. Um, but let's just declare that, if we could, all together. We are raising up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God and people from the next generation who will love deeply, serve sacrificially, speak truthfully, live holy, and go globally in the supernatural power and presence of the Holy Spirit, calling all people to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen. All right. Well, you know, do you guys ever wonder why we do that every Sunday? I mean, other than trying to brainwash you, why would we do that? Because you know that saying things out loud, um, saying it out loud actually makes it happen. We're going to learn about that today, and some of you are like, oh no, she drank the Kool-Aid. She's going to speak a message on the power of words. Yes, I am. I'm going to speak a message on the power of words. I drank the Kool-Aid. I survived. I grew some fruit from it, and now I'm going to share with you guys, okay? I know it's a bad joke to talk about that, but anyway, so first I just want to talk about my heart posture for a second. I, I come to you basically because I want to share with you something that I've learned, something that I think is important and something that is life-changing. I, I really, truly just want to be real with you. I think most of you who know me know that I'm a very real person. I don't try to portray myself anything other than what I really am. I have my struggles. I have my shortcomings, all of that. I mean, I, I'm just like one of you. You know, I'm just like everybody else. I, I gave my child a baby wipe bath before church today because he had dirt on his hands and legs. You know, I, I, there's not this perfect image that I'm trying to portray. You know, I um, I just want to be real. I learned something, and it, it changed my life, and I just want to tell you guys about it so it can help change yours as well. I, um, when I asked the Lord specifically, um, you know, when I was getting ready for this, I asked the Lord specifically what it was that he wanted to share with New Covenant? What, what is it about the power of words, about speaking truthfully, that you want specifically to talk about? And the Lord told me three things. And one of them is um, he wants to specifically deal with complaining. Amen. He wants to deal with encouragement. He wants us to be better encouragers. And, and by the way, in the meantime, go listen to, re-listen to the podcast of Dave Knoll, because that was an amazing, amazing message on encouragement. And then the third thing was he wants us to um, learn more and understand more and understand the importance of prophesying and sharing our testimony and how that impacts the kingdom and people around us. Now, spoiler alert, that's not until next week. So if you don't show up next week, then we know who the complainers are. All right, I'm just kidding. We already know who you are. <laughs> so, 
So that's next week. This week, I'm just going to lay a foundation. I just want to lay a foundation of what it even means because I realize that there are just different, different um, I don't know, just different believers in here. And some of you are very familiar with the message on the power of words. Other of you have only kind of maybe skimmed it, and some of you are completely clueless. And so that's great. So we're just going to lay a foundation today. And um, there are several different you know, kind of tributaries that I can go down um, when it comes to the power of words. I mean, when you think about it, words and things that we speak, you know, we can talk about um, cussing, cursing, blessing, corrupt talk, complaining, gossip, slander, prophecy, encouragement, testimony, sharing the gospel, confession of sin. You know, you name it. If it comes out of your mouth, you know, that is, it's, um, it's part of what we speak, Right. So, um, I know, long pause as I gather my thoughts. So, I'm just going to share with you a testimony today, basically, about, about why it is that it is a miracle that... Um, that God is using me to, to speak this message in the first place. Because really, I just didn't get it. You know, do you know how the, that there are, there are different, I don't know, little pockets, different, different little bins that, of Christianity that, that people kind of lean towards? You know what I'm talking about? We've got the faith message. We've got the RTF stuff. We've got the power of words message. We've got eschatology you know, and some people tend to just kind of camp out in one, you know what I mean? You camp out in one belief system because it's comfortable for you and you, you like it. And, um, and then there are also some little pockets of, of teaching that you avoid, right? And we go, like, some people are like eschatology. You know what that is? You guys know what eschatology is? Okay, eschatology is the big fancy word for um, the return of Jesus, the prophecies and all of that, and the return of Jesus and, and all of that, the end time stuff. And so some of us completely avoid that because, number one, it's scary, it's painful, we don't know, you know, it's just, I just, I don't know about that, so I'm just going to, I just can't look at it, you know. And then people ask you, well, what do you know about the end times? And we're like, Jesus is coming back soon, <laughs> you know. That's like all we know. He'll be riding a white horse, and that's all I know. I don't know. He's coming back soon, and I don't know what's going to happen then. You know, we avoid it. We ignore it. We don't understand it. Wh whatever. Um, some of us avoid the RTF stuff because we think, well, nobody really knows. Don't go there. It's, it's kind of weird. I don't know about that. Well, I avoided the words message. Okay? That's, that's what I did. I avoided the power of words. I just kind of thought it was I don't know. I just didn't get it. I just didn't understand it. And I don't know. So first we're going to start with, um, we're going to read some scriptures on what, what God has to say about the power of words. So we're going to start with Proverbs 18.21. If you'll put that on the screen. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Seems pretty 
plane. All right, let's go to the next one. Romans 10, 9. Yep, I need 9. Did I write 19? Well, I'll just read it. Romans 10, 9 is because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's do James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Okay. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then, I'll get to that one later. So, so it's obvious that God has a lot to say about what we say. Would you agree? Okay, so, I mean, really, and if you think about it, talking and speaking, it's what separates us from the animals. You know, I'm one of the many things, like, you know, one of the many things that separates us from the animals. And, um, and I find it interesting that, um, you know, that when, when Eve was in the garden and the serpent came and spoke to her, I mean, do you guys ever wonder about that? Which, by the way, this is just a disclaimer that this, this does not represent the views of New Heaven, and I'm solely going on my own on this little wandering moment here. But um, do you ever wonder, so did animals talk in the garden? Because, because, okay, so listen, so if Eve is sitting there and she's having a conversation with the serpent, and the serpent comes up to her and starts having a conversation with her. I mean, really, like, like it doesn't say anywhere that says, like, like Eve pooped her fig leaf because she was so shocked that the serpent <laughs> talked to her, right? I mean, like, that didn't happen. I mean, I know, I know, I know. That's not even right. Eve wasn't even wearing her fig leaf yet. So, but... So... Um, so I just find it interesting that then after the fall that, you know, anyway, so that we can talk, we have communication. It's, it's one of the things that separates us from the animals. God places high authority on the spoken word. And so can you cue that video? I think now is the time for that. When I saw that for the first time, I thought, you know, there was just this moment where I went, oh, okay. And um, so, so I just, I, I'm just going to tell you a story because remember how I said that God, he's highlighting testimonies. So part of this message is just going to be a testimony. You're just going to listen to me throw myself under the bus for about 20 minutes and then we'll get into some good teaching. But um, I... It is really, truly a miracle that I'm standing here today teaching about the power of words. And um, probably because I realize now that I was gifted by God to be an encourager. Um, I was gifted to be prophetic, and I was gifted to be a teacher, which are words, words, and more words. So because I was gifted to do those things, obviously the enemy did not want me to succeed in that area. And so my past is definitely very tainted and bloody and ugly when it comes to, to the way I've talked. 
Before I got saved, I mean, you guys, before I got saved, I could make a trucker cringe with the language that came out of my mouth. I mean, I really could. It was just, it was just gross. I got saved 13 years ago, and so before that, I lived a life of drugs and all kinds of crazy stuff, and so, so really, I was, it was just really bad. It was, I offended people often, and I was very vicious with the way I would speak to people. I could either build you up or I can tear you down, you know, and, um, and it was really ugly, and um, I sabotaged relationships, you know, it, it was just, it was just really bad. So I had negative mindsets, I was just very negative, I assumed everyone was out to get me, things were always going to go wrong, you know what I mean, it was just negative, it was ugly, and you know what I'm talking about, those people that you're around that you're just like, you know, like that was me. And so I got saved, when I was 25 years old, I got saved, and so glory, hallelujah, it was awesome, awesome experience of, of receiving the Lord, and you know, all of that stuff just fell off of me, right? Yeah, about half of it did, you know, like a lot of the super ugly, ugly, ugly fell off, but some of the ugly just really just kind of stayed and lingered. <laughs> and, um, and so um, I would, you know, I ended up getting married, and, and I was, I, I just was, uh, I was just so negative, you know, I was just so negative, and I, and I would say things out loud like, oh, I'm so stupid, you know, or I would say out loud, this is going to be the worst day ever. You know, it, things like that. I would just start, and this would be in the morning, you know. <laughs> I would already confess that over my day. And, and, um, and so I did better, and I would, I would have moments of emotional healing, and, I you know, I've been kind of a part of this process of the church, you know, our growing process of learning how to deal with our emotions and things like that, and, and I've been a part of that from the beginning. And so I, I would, I would get some healing and I would do really well. And then all of a sudden somebody would make me mad and I would just, blah, 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 you know, and, and, and then, oh, the shame that would just choke me out. I mean, just choke me out because I didn't want to be doing that, but I felt like I needed to defend myself or, you know, whatever it is. And so I would rip Chris a new one for doing this, that, or whatever, or my kids or, you know, all of this stuff. And, and so it was just really, it was just really ugly, and um, so I want to go back for a second. I, I got saved when I was 25, and about nine months later, um, I received a prophecy from Denny Kramer, and in this prophecy, he kind of declared over me basically like my, I don't know, just my well, just what, what God wanted to say to me, my identity. Thank you. My identity. And he spoke this word over me that just blew me away, talking about preaching and teaching the word of God and, and you know, feed them, house them, and clothe them, and all this stuff about anointing and going to different nations and, you know, all of this stuff. And, and, I and it did in me exactly what prophecy was supposed to do. It gave me hope. It made me believe that there was something greater that God was going to do in me than what I ever imagined. See, up until that point, remember how I told you that up until up, that I had been delivered from drugs and um, a homosexual lifestyle. Um, I had had a crazy life before I, I met the Lord. And so I really honestly thought that that was probably 
the biggest miracle that was ever going to happen in my life was I was, I was delivered from drugs. Woohoo! That's going to be my forever testimony. That's going to be, that's my whole mission in life was, was this is what I'm going to, you know, it's just like, that's, that's the greatest thing God's ever going to do because that was just the grit I had. And it was at that moment that the prophet spoke identity into me that I realized that, that delivering me from drugs was not the greatest miracle God was ever going to perform in me. And in fact, me being delivered from drugs was really just the Lord getting me back on the track of what God had placed in me in my mother's womb, the calling, the original calling. See, God gave me the gift of being a teacher, an encourager, all of those things, even when I was in my mother's womb. It was me who chose to walk away from it. And so when God delivered me from the drugs, it wasn't, that wasn't the greatest thing he was ever going to do. Do you see what I'm saying? It's just he was plucking me back up and being like, here, psh, okay, now do what I told you to do in the first place, what I created you for in the first place. Do you see what I'm saying? And so that was, I had hope. And so here I was, this mixed up person who finally had hope. I had purpose. I had, I had, I was like, ah, oh, I'm going to be useful in this world. And before I didn't know that. I did not know that. And so, so then here's what would happen. But, okay, so here's what would happen. I'm sorry, I'm getting excited. <laughs> but I clung to it. I clung to this, to this belief system, this, this new identity that God, it was the only little piece of something special that I had that I clung to because the fruit in my life did not line up with what God had said. Do you understand what I'm saying? The fruit in my life did not line up with what God had said. God saw through all of this rotten fruit, the stuff that I was doing, and he could see that there was something great in me, and he believed in me. And so, and I would have never, because of my negative thought processes, I would have never believed those great things about me. I, it, the, that would have never been my thought. You know, I could have never come up with it. So, about nine months in, I realized that God's called me to be a teacher. Great news, right? Isn't that awesome? Okay, it's pretty cool. So let's read James 3. Start with James 3, starting in verse 1. Yep. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Greater strictness. <clears throat> well, that was bad news. I was like, ah, and I loved the book of James. The first year that I got saved, I ate up James. Not many of you should become teachers, my, for you know that you, you who will teach will be judged with greater strictness. Is that okay? All right, well, let me just keep reading. James 3, 2. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Okay, that's worse news. That's, that's worse news because now I, I can't control my tongue and basically James is saying that it's all hopeless. So, all right, so let's keep going. James 3.3. 3. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Keep going. 
Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. Next verse. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Keep going. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Next! <laughs> For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. <laughs> so you can imagine just how hopeless, I mean, how really, truly hopeless I felt as reading this. Okay, keep going with verse 10. Oh, no, nine, here we go. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Next. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? I think that's it. Is that it? Oh, yeah, that's good. Well, can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So, again... I would read that, and I would be like, okay, so no one can tame the tongue. Okay. Um, those who are teachers are going to be judged more strictly. Okay. Um, if I can control my tongue, I will be perfect in every way. Okay. And so, and then, and then um, it can set my whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. So I would read this, and I would just think, this is awful. Like, this is just awful. God's called me to be a teacher, but I'm going to be judged with greater strictness. And here I am with this mouth that just I can't tame, and the scripture even says I can't tame it. And, and I was just filled with all sorts of hopelessness. But, but I just, I still never, I still, I still never gave up. You know, I, I would read it, and I would think, okay, I, I just, you know, I don't know. There's something horribly wrong with me, but I can't give up hope, you know? And so, by the way, I want to give you a side note here, just so that no one makes the same mistake that I did in this moment, is that if you're reading Scripture and it makes you feel hopeless, there is a problem with your image of the person telling you this information, okay? Okay? You are reading scripture and you think, that makes me feel hopeless. I can't ever do that. I will never accomplish this. You have, there's a lie that you believe about the author. Okay? And so that was one of the things. I did not believe that God was the God of hope. I didn't know that he had a solution for every problem that I had. I didn't know that he wants to give me hope and peace in believing. And I didn't know I had this weird filter when I read this scripture and it caused me to feel hopeless. And so, but I didn't know, you know, I just didn't know back then. So if the shame and hopelessness wasn't bad enough, 
that I felt when reading scripture, I also married the word police. I'm going to throw my husband under the bus. He said that I could. So when we got married back in 2004, that must have been the time that the, this words message became pretty hot. I don't know. Maybe it was before that, but that was the first. I don't know. Maybe it's been a long, long time before that, was it? Okay, I didn't know because I didn't know anything about Christianity before I got saved. So, but anyway, it was super hot and heavy around here. And my, I married the word police. And I, whew, I would, you know, he would catch me in saying things or I would do something or, or I would be like, babe, I am so sick. So I was sick a lot back then. And like every good 90s girl, I read men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And I knew that women's feelings just need to be validated, right? We need to be validated when we say things. So I would go to Chris and I'd be like, babe, I'm so sick. And he'd be like, don't speak that on yourself. You are not sick in Jesus' name. <laughs> and I was like, you know, like my head would spin around. And I'd be like, shut up in Jesus' name. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. I need you to validate my feelings. I need you to comfort me. And anyway, so that didn't go well. And, you know, I browbeat him enough to where that he finally stopped doing it. But I'm pretty sure that his zeal was squashed in the process. So I have repented. It's, it's coming back. But, um, but there, was something about, there was something about that message, you know, the, the name it and claim it message, things like that. There was something about it that really bothered me. Um, there was something about power being in the words that we speak that just bugged me. And, and I didn't really understand it until now, but, um, but I realized that the problem that I had with it um, was that it was risky. So will you put up Proverbs again? Proverbs 18, 21, I think is what it is. <clears throat> and it's death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Okay, so that bothered me. Do you know why it bothered me? It was up there. It was up there with the, with the riskiest decision that God would ever make. Like up there with, it's risky that God gave us free will. Do you know why it's risky that God gave us free will? Because I could use my free will to violate you and your free will. I can walk up to Tom right now and I could punch him in the face. And my free will would violate him as a person. I would violate love and I would violate him as a person. And that's risky, but God did it anyway. He gave us free will so that we would willingly choose to love him, even though he knew that some people were going to use their free will to hurt other people. It was going to happen. But it was that important that, that we have freedom. It was that important to him that we have freedom. So it bugged me that we have the power to speak life or death. That bothered me. It bothered me that we could partner with the Holy Spirit and create with him that I could use my words to tear somebody down just as much as I could use my words to build somebody up. I'm like, that's risky. Why would you do that? Let me ask you, God, why would you do that? 
that's risky because I could use it against them. But it is obvious that it is so important that it was worth the risk, right? Amen. So, and I didn't know that back then. So, um, hold on, catching up. So I was bothered by it. I listened to a lot of Joyce Meyer and, and she's all about it. You know, this is back in the early days. She was all about power of words, you know, things like that. And, and I would listen to her and I'd just be like, hey, you know, like I said, I have this problem with it. Okay, so here's my other problem is that um, as a perpetual recovering pessimist, um, it really bothered me that whole positive talk, you know, because aren't we supposed to use our imagination to make a list of every possible scenario that could ever go wrong in life in order to be prepared from being blindsided by things that might happen? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Make that list? You know what I'm saying? Partner with fear. Okay, fear, tell me everything that possibly could happen. I need to know so I can be prepared because blindsiding is going to happen. I'm going to be hit by a storm and I need to know what's coming. You need to tell me everything that's going to happen. And so, you know, so it really bugged me. And little did I know that that was kind of, you know, that really God gave us our imagination to make a list of everything positive that could ever happen so that we can partner with faith to create and go and do. You know, our words are a container. And we can either put in that container fear and partner with the kingdom of darkness, or we can put in that container faith and partner with the kingdom of light. But either way, the words that you speak are going to, they're going to come forth. It's going to happen. So have you guys ever, I mean, do you ever notice how like, um, how like when bad things happen, you realize that was the very thing I was afraid of. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying that this is every time, but, but it might be, um, well, first let's do this. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Can we put that up there? So faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. So, and then the one I have written here is faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. And it gives us assurance of what we cannot see. And so our faith is actually all the evidence that we need in order to bring something about. You know, it's like we put our words in that container. And so, anyway, I have in my notes here, you know, when things, when bad things happen, there's two questions that you can ask yourself. And one is, am I afraid of this very thing? Have I partnered with fear and used my words to reap this harvest? Or two, have I judged someone else for this very thing or something similar to it? Because when we judge, we also kind of bring about that harvest. So, as you can imagine, I was living a very hopeless and anxiety-driven life, even through... Even though I was saved, I still, and I knew truths about God, but I was still very, like, I don't know, I was just defeated. And um, 
in the Proverbs 18.21, you don't have to put it back up there, but it says, life and death, death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Okay, well, I didn't love it. And guess what? I was eating rotten fruit. I wasn't eating good fruit. And I, like I said, I had some victories in my life, but it wasn't all, it just wasn't fully there. So, okay, so what changed? You know, what changed in your life, Shelley? Why, how did this big miracle happen that, that changed? And um, Mason and Gage, will you guys go out there and get my, I have a dry erase board and bring it out for me. Okay, so um, I listened to a message by Steve Backlund about a year ago. And I can't remember the whole message. All I remember is that there was something about um, God is for you and not against you. And then he briefly mentioned how our words are power. And something just rose up inside of me. And I was like, oh, God's finally speaking to me. He wants me to, he wants me to look at that thing I've been avoiding all this time. And, um, and so then I had a dream. And I had this dream. Woo! I had this dream. Did I just shut myself off? No. Okay. I had this dream that um, my something weird was going on in my mouth. And I was like, in my dream, I was kind of like pulling on my teeth. I was doing something weird. And all of a sudden, my teeth come out of my mouth, just like you're cutting corn off a cob. My teeth like fell out of my mouth. And um, like the whole bottom half right here. And I was like, what? And I'm holding my teeth in this row. And I'm freaking out because I lost my teeth. And then I felt this, this like I was, like I was um, eating. What are those fruits that fizz in your mouth? I'm talking about. Pop rocks. It was like I had pop rocks in my mouth. And I was like, what is this? We put it up there. I was like, what is this, this stuff in my mouth? And, um, and, and um, I went to the mirror and I go, like, cause in, you know, everybody has a mirror in their dream. And so I go to the mirror and I'm looking and it is black soot. Black soot is like covering my jaw, my inside my mouth. And it was nasty. And I start spitting it out and it's fuzzing and foaming. And, and it was just gross and I'm and and I was like it was one of those things where I was so freaked out that I start I like pulled myself out of it because I was like and so as I was waking up the Lord said to me he spoke to me kind of in that sleep awake state uh, sleep in awake state and he said that um he said as you heal your mouth in the natural I will heal no as you heal your mouth in the spirit I will heal your mouth in the natural now, I had just been diagnosed with gum disease, like pretty bad, like, like level three, four, I don't even know. But anyway, so I knew that there was a problem with my mouth in real life. And the Lord was saying that I, it was time for me to start healing my mouth in the spirit. That, and, and I finally had a visual of what it looked like to be this negative. Does that make sense? It's like, it's like I had this, um, this um, I don't know, just once you see black soot in your mouth and God starts telling you basically like your mouth is gross, it makes you want to be like, okay, we'll do something about it. Thank you for letting me know. And it wasn't in this shameful way at all. It was really just like, it's time. It's time for you to do something. And so, um, anyway, but it was dangerous. Like, it, it was really dangerous for me to be that way because when you're super negative, then, um, then it causes you to have these weird mindsets. You know, you're easy, easily offended, you're judging people, you end up gossiping, you question people's motives. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's just something that's really ugly. So I fell on my face and repented. I like, yeah, 
There's nothing like the fear of losing your teeth to make you be like, okay, <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> and so um, I repented for judging others. I repented for the years that I had lost from all this negativity. I began reading the book, um, You're Crazy If You Don't Talk to Yourself by Steve Backland, which I highly recommend that you get it. And I started paying attention to my thought life and meditating on scripture that breathed life into my body. And so one of the first scriptures that I went to was Romans 15, 13 that said, um, and you can put that on the board, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with the confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so <clears throat> that was the first time I really understood um, that there is nothing that God is hopeless about because he is the source of hope. And so when my life or my situation or even, even the, um, the thought, the daunting task of taming my tongue, that wasn't even hopeless. I was not a lost cause. God still wanted to help me, you know. And um, so anyway, I've got an object lesson on the board here because... Um, I'm a visual person, and I'm so sorry. I totally probably could have done this um, on that, on a PowerPoint, but I'm not that smart. So um, here we go. So this is what God showed me about, about taming your tongue and, and how it is that we can do that. Because um, uh, James says that no one can tame the tongue. Okay, so if no one can tame the tongue, then, then why would he ask us to do it? And um, so then I would say, because uh, uh, we're supposed to partner with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> like, we can't do it by ourselves. We need the help of the Holy Spirit in order to do that. So we're going to go to, we're going to talk about Luke 6, 43 through 45. So no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings forth good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so basically what God is saying here is that your mouth is a gauge, and it's, it's the gauge to tell you what is inside your heart just like a fuel gauge, you know, when it's on E, when your fuel's on E, you know, you know that you need to, like, put gas in it, and so, um, um, one of my thoughts when I was in my, like, I, I don't want to deal, I, I was denying the power of the words message was, I thought, well, if you just, I knew this, that this scripture was true, I knew that come, what came out of my mouth was revealing what was in my heart, so I was like, well, then how is it that me just changing what I say, how is that going to change my heart? See what I'm saying? And that's an okay thought to have if that is the only scripture on the power of words that you look at, okay? It's, but you have, to, you have to understand the whole counsel of God. And so um, we, when we look at the scriptures from the beginning, we see that God wants us to create with words, establish salvation with words, be healed of sin with our words, and James says, control our whole body with words. And so, um, so confessing things actually gets the yuck out 
and confessing thing actually puts everything in. I'm going to show you. Okay, so can everybody see this? If you can't, I'm super sorry. So basically, if what comes out of your mouth, this is a list of things that may, might come out of your mouth, and these are the things that are in your heart. So what comes out of your mouth? Complaining. Uh, defensiveness. Foul language. Negativity. Manipulation. That's hilarious. I spelled that wrong. So, um, division, lying, gossip, criticalness. If any of those things are coming out of your mouth, do you know that that's because there's something inside of your heart that's causing those things to come out of your mouth, right? Okay, so this is a picture of our heart. And our heart is full of kind of like belief systems, kind of like what Jenny and Chris were talking about. There's belief systems inside your heart. There's, um, there's some lies that we believe, and there are some truths that we believe inside of our heart. And so, and in Luke, it says, out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever you have more of in your heart is what comes out of your mouth. So I just gave some examples of some belief systems that we might have that are inside of our heart. I am unprotected. I am loved by God. I am powerless. There's shame. There's fear in the heart. Judgment or lack of trust. Everyone lets me down. I am insignificant. Ooh, and then there's one truth, little truth over here. God came through for me. There's another little truth. Jesus forgives me. You know, so it's like we've got this mixture of lies and truth that are inside of our hearts. And so I want to show you the connection here. So let's say that you struggle with complaining, okay? Well, what would be inside of your heart that caused you to be a complainer? Yeah, fear's one. Absolutely. If I'm a complainer, it's because I'm afraid of the outcome, so I need to talk about it. Okay, being answerless. Or how about this? So complaining could also come from... I'm insignificant, right? Yes, judgment is lack of trust. Where is that? Where did I put judgment? Oh, yeah. Oh, got you. That complaining can come from judgment and lack of trust. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So there are several different belief systems that cause the fruit of whatever's coming out of your mouth. So defensiveness. I am unprotected, Right? If I have to protect myself, I become defensive, right? Okay, so foul language. Where would that come from? Powerless. Yes, when you believe a lie that you are powerless, you're going to need to use powerful language to make you get your point across. Okay, um, lying. Where would that come from? Fear and shame. Let's talk about shame for a second. Shame is the belief that there's something epically wrong with me. I'm so flawed that no one can know. I'm so messed up and I'm just, I've got all this shame. And so that causes fear and then that can cause lying. So what about division, somebody who causes division? Fear, fear? yep. Ooh, what about the belief that I'm insignificant? So... You know, it causes me to act a certain way. 
Um, negativity. You know, so you guys get the gist, right? You understand what I'm saying here. Okay. So, where's my eraser? Thank you. Okay, so one of them, it's either 1 John or James, says, if we confess our sin, he will heal us of our sin. If we confess our sin to one another, he will heal us. I think that's James. So, um, so if we're going to confess our sin, this is what I'm trying to say is, okay, sorry. Confession is powerful because confession heals us from the yuck that's in our heart. And then confession can put the good back in. So if I say, God, I confess my sin of believing the lie that I'm unprotected. Lord, forgive me for that, which is basically RTFPS. I, 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 I repent, Lord. I, I confess my sin, and I confess it out loud. Do you know that when you pray that prayer with faith, that that belief system that you are unprotected is gone? And then you get to replace that lie with, Lord, what do you want to tell me about my protection? And the Lord says, I am your protector. Yeah. And so, how am I doing on time? Okay, I'm a little over. So, um, but I am your protector. So you can do that with all of these things, really. And so once that happens, when, once you get your heart for the abundance of your heart to believe truth about yourself, then what comes out of your mouth is something different. See what I'm saying? You can say, well, I'm not going to complain anymore because I know that, you know, maybe fear is gone and I've replaced it with, you know, safety or whatever. Faith, yeah, thank you, faith, that's even better. And so what comes out of my mouth is being a problem solver instead of a complainer. You got me? Okay, and so, um, anyway, so I'm just saying that you can use what comes out of your mouth as a gauge, okay? So this week, what I want you to do is I want you to focus on what's coming out of my mouth. And then once, once you get it, don't let shame come on you like I did. Just be like, okay, you're speaking to me. I'm going to read the gauge. You know, I'm going to look at the meter. I'm going to read the gauge. Lord, what's in my heart that's making me talk like this? Why am I doing that? Why do I feel the need to protect myself? And so... Anyway, so that hopefully, you know, you got, you're all red, blood of Jesus. Did you guys catch that? Okay. Black, sin. Okay. All right, pull out your confessions. These are a list of confessions that I made, um, or that I kind of created um, based on things that I needed in my life, Okay. And so, um, um, so you can use these or you can pick new ones or you can do whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. I just wanted to give you guys an example of how you can do this. Now, rule number one of making your own confessions is that, um, remember how I said that, that the Lord gave us free will? Well, he gave other people free will too. So when you're doing your confessions and you're doing your praying, you just need to make sure that you're not trying to bend someone else's free will. You know, you're going to break the rules. You're going to get into manipulation and witchcraft kind of thing. Also, I believe that there's a supernatural grace on confession right now when it comes to identity and, and just really knowing who we are in Christ. I feel like, you know, it's been used, you know, this type of teaching has been used for stuff 
in the past getting stuff. And that's, that's fine or whatever, but that's not what I feel like the grace is for right now. I feel like it's for knowing who we are in Christ, um, learning um, just who we are and, and what we're to be. And so that's what most of these are, are about. So number one is I, um, and we'll talk next week about why I phrased them all in thank you. So thank you, God, that you love me deeply and intimately and, and have great plans for my life. And the scripture reference for that is Jeremiah 29, 11. Now, if while you're doing this confession and you're like, wow, you know what? Actually, I've never thought that. I actually thought that God set me up for failure. And you realize that that was a sin that you've been believing, a lie, a belief system that you've been believing. Then right then and there, you just say to the Lord, Lord, I confess my sin. I'm believing the lie that you set me up for failure. I don't want to believe that anymore. I want to believe this truth. I want to believe that you have great things for me. I want to believe that. And so number two, thank you that I hear your voice and I am quick to obey because of my great love for you. So there is, there is a plethora of information in that. Number one is that we, we, we obey God because we love him, not because we're afraid of him or that we think bad things are going to happen. Um, I, real quick story, this confession actually saved my life one time. I was driving down 70 and the Lord... I was doing these confessions, and I was saying, I thank you, God, that I hear your voice, and I'm quick to obey. And I added, even when it's hard, even when it's hard. And so I was driving down the road on 70, and I was getting ready to pass this semi, and the Lord said, don't get back behind this semi. I was like, ah, this semi is going like 60. <laughs> and I'm like, that wasn't the Lord. And I just, and I just kept going. I started to pass, and the Lord said, you told me, I just spit, the Lord said, you told me this morning that you love me, you hear my voice, and that you're quick to obey me even when it's hard, and this isn't even hard, and I was like, you're right, this is not hard, fine, I will go back, and I will go back behind the semi, I will drive 60 miles an hour to my exit, and then I'll get off, and I'm thinking, what did you just save me from, did you save me from an accident, is there going to be an accident up there, was, you know, and I'm looking, and I've got my foot on the brake, thinking there's going to be some sort of craziness happen, Anyway, I get off the interstate, and I'm going this way and that way, and all of a sudden, I am go to cross this very busy intersection, crossing 103, and a part to my car broke, and it was this random part, and it, um, anyway, long story short, I was stuck in the middle of 103 at an intersection where, like, like the, the hill came up to the top, and so I was completely vulnerable to, you know, whatever, and then as I'm sitting there going, ah, you know, oh my gosh, my car won't go, it's stuck, and I'm in the middle of 103, all of a sudden, I, my car just boosts forward about 10 feet off of 103, and I get pulled over. There was, so anyway, it turns out that what was wrong with my car was, was a manufactured defect. And had I been on 70, and had I gone 85 to pass that semi, it would have broken on 70. See what I'm saying? <laughs> and there probably would have been a horrific crash because it was this tire iron, what was it? CV joint, something fell off, transmission stopped, that one, and um, anyway, it, could, it just could have been completely catastrophic, and so the Lord ended up saving me, and he even sent his angels to push me off the road, okay, right, so, and, and that was simply just from making that confession, um, okay, number three, thank you that when I need wisdom, I simply ask you for it, and you give it to me willingly, and I won't doubt your wisdom. 
I thank you, God, that I am a generous giver because of your generosity towards me. Number five, I thank you, God, that I am learning how to balance my days, just as you did while creating the earth. Precision and structure balanced with creativity and the flow of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, God, that my family, and name them, my family and I walk in supernatural health in spirit, mind, and body. Number seven, I thank you, God, that I'm learning how to creatively love and discipline my children in ways that, that's empowering to them. Number eight, I thank you, God, that I'm learning how to be an encourager to my spouse and my children. <clears throat> I'm prophesying that part about my spouse. Number nine, I thank you, God, that I am finding my place in the body of Christ and that you are using me for your glory. Number 10, I thank you, God, that you provide for me according to your riches and glory. Number 11, I thank you, God, that you are the God of hope, and in every way you are bringing hope to even my darkest situation. And then number 12, this is something you want to make your own. This is what I say. I thank you, God, that I am an author, a preacher, and a restorer of destroyed lives something that I just, I'm, I've not written a book yet, but I will. And um, so make that your own. Just take it and make it. Actually, you can make all of them your own if you want to. But um, this has, I just want you to know that this has been a process for me. This is not, um, you know, I don't do this daily because I forget or I'll, you know, whatever. But it's a mindset change. It's knowing that my words are powerful and that, and that whenever I see that my, myself believing this lie, that, that I want to switch it. And um, just don't get religious about it, you know, is all I'm trying to say. Don't set yourself up for failure or create an expectation that you may not, you may not do. But this is a great tool. I'm telling you guys, if you do this, it's, it's just something that will change your life and you won't know it. And so, but I want you to take a minute to really think, just, just project in your mind, what would my life look like? if I truly believed these 12 things about myself and about God? How would my life be different than what it is right now? How would my children be impacted if I believed these things? Um... I mean, would it change things? Would it change how you interacted with people? Would it change how you shared your faith? You know, would it change your marriage? Would it motivate you to pursue your God-given dreams? And then, if only... Half of us in here, even if three people in here got this, how would it change our city? You know, how would it change our region? What would look different if we could really believe these truths about ourselves? And so, if you said, oh yeah, things would be a lot different, if, if that's something that, if this is speaking to your heart and you're realizing, yeah, my negativity really is affecting my life, my negative thought life, 
my, my negative speech, my negative mindsets, my judgmental mindset. It is affecting my life. It's affecting my marriage. It's affecting my children. It's affecting my ministry. Therefore, it is affecting my city. And if that is you, and you feel the Holy Spirit on you, it is, it is as simple as just confessing it out of your heart. And so you can just take a moment. We can have the prayer team come up. You can get alone. You can find a friend. You can do whatever you want to do, and you can just say, I confess that I have been a negative person, and I don't want it anymore. And I want you to have the courage to, to just try to look crazy for one week and make these declarations over your life. You know, while you're doing dishes, while you're driving down the road, but don't read while you're driving down the road. But just do that. Just, just, just try to just think big, believe that God is who he says he is, partner with him and the Holy Spirit and begin to declare truth over your life as he comes in agreement with the truth that you're already saying, because everything that you're declaring lines up with the word of God, and the Holy Spirit will fulfill the word of God, right? He's going to partner with you and bring forth these changes in your life, and he's going to bring forth what God has for you. And so, Father God, we're just going to pray. Father God, thank you. I just thank you for the, the sweet conviction that you bring over us. I thank you, God, that you have a solution to every problem. And your solution for this is simply to just confess our sin and to start again. And God, we want to believe your truth. We want to walk in your truth. We want to declare your truth. We want to speak truthfully, Lord. And so thank you for the courage that you've given us. Thank you for the courage and the boldness to just go for it and to make that, that little shift in our thinking that little shift that we needed that's just going to catapult us into what you have for us, into victory, into freedom. And I thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name.